0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. The Sharks win a Saturday or Friday afternoon uh, (laughs) game and I'm going to get docked so many points because I'm going to get the afternoon slash night uh, issue all, you know, discombobulated in my brain (laughs) but the Sharks pull out uh, a convincing four to one win against the Los Angeles Kings and really the story of uh, today's game is the depth throughout the lineup getting contributions lines one through four I am your host Eric Landy and if you want to be a part of the show Please go ahead and follow us on Twitter at Tealtown USA. You can also use Instagram. You can find us on the chat. You can find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit, all using the Tealtown USA uh, user. And uh, for all our great sharks content, go ahead and check us out at tealtownusa.com. I am joined by the one and only Kelsey. How are you doing, Kelsey?
1: I'm good. How are you? I'm, I'm always good on a shark's win.
0: <laughs> right? Exactly. The sharks win really convincingly. Actually, you know, we thought maybe they might have the turkey day hangover, but uh, certainly not uh, t- today's game. That's for sure. What did you see? And what did you like? Just initial. Uh, just initially.
1: Um, I was really impressed with Jones tonight, this afternoon. Um, I really thought he played really well. Um, I did think that some of the zone, uh, the neutral zone was kind of sloppy, especially in the first and in the start of the second. Um, However, I thought they looked good.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think they started, excuse me. They started a little slow, but uh, Patrick Marleau opens up the scoring with his sixth on the season. Sorensen and Thornton with the assist there. It's good to see Jumbo on a little bit of an assist streak getting some points because uh, it had been looking like Jumbo was just a little off still. But uh, nice to see him kind of come back with the point streak. Uh, again, that is Marlowe, his sixth from Sorensen and Thornton. That was seven minutes, 27, 26 seconds in. Sharks up 1-0. Uh, then the Sharks continue to go to work with Mark Edward Vlasic scoring his fourth goal. Uh, Carlson and Meyer with the assist there. That would be Eric Carlson. G- going into the second period, Noah Gregor with his first NHL goal and just showing the Jets on on uh, on a great play you have the oop from Brendan Dillon and uh Jones Martin Jones gets an uh, an assist there along with Brendan Dillon Logan Couture capping off the Sharks scoring with his sixth on the season with a nice double deflect good row and Carlson uh getting points on that unfortunately my um Kyle Clifford uh, ends the shutout bid for Martin Jones his third on the season at 18 uh, 11 in the third period, but the Sharks prevail in the 4 1 win. And honestly, again, you're just getting contributions throughout the lineup, getting a nice fourth line goal, getting a uh, third line goal, getting a second line goal, and then getting a first line goal. So, I mean, overall, I mean, as far as the offensive balance goes, it's exactly what you wanted to see from the Sharks, especially with uh, with how sluggish they looked against the Jets. So, uh, Kelsey, I mean, can you kind of speak a little bit to how the four-line game kind of is so important to the Sharks' makeup?
1: Well, I think we really saw the difference with, even though Hurdle's not on the score sheet, I think playing the going back to the 12 forwards, Um, really help them out because they could actually roll lines instead of having to double shift players. uh, It's really important. And it's always nice to get extra goals from your third and fourth lines um, to kind of see scoring all around. Um, I think they're actually those, that third and fourth line are finally hitting their stride and I think they're looking good. Um, And I'm excited to see what they're going to do the rest of the season.
0: Yeah. I mean, what, I mean, seeing auntie Sue really step up into that Mm -hmm. fourth line center role, I think gives Peter DeBoer finally an option to roll four lines. And, you know, with Gregor really kind of coming on, taking the the most out of tonight or today's, uh, excuse me, opportunity to get in. I mean, you know, this could be the start of kind of solidifying that fourth line, which has been an issue the entire season.
1: Um, I, this is the first game that I've liked Gregor. I thought he played really well. He really put the goal that he had. um, And I just really felt that uh, this was the first time that I actually saw what everybody was talking about and that he was actually a decent player. So I think that um, solidifying that third and fourth line is going to be really important, especially heading into December. Yeah, heading in
0: December, I mean, you you get the Sharks going out on uh, quite a few different road trips. So having the ability to roll the four lines and being able to handle mismatches, especially with uh, with how you don't have a last change with no home ice. So having the ability to have a true center and a, and a line that is made up of forward to you know, play together is, I think, extremely important. You know, we were seeing um, Evander Kane get uh, double-shifted, triple-shifted. The same thing with Timo Meyer. And, you know, as much as those guys can take those minutes, you're going to have times where the fatigue is going to settle in. You're going to have time where where just pretty much the forwards are just gas. And, again, I I can't emphasize that enough against the Jets game. To me, that was a rested Jets team going into San Jose and, and just taking advantage of a team that had been rolling the 7-D men. So, um, you know, I, I don't like the 7-D men configuration as, like, a long-term fix. So really having the depth forwards is super important for any kind of designs this team has on going forward.
1: I agree. Um, J.F. Turner makes a good point um, about uh, Peter DeVore being stubborn with the slow grit guys. And not giving them enough playing time. Um, I have to agree with you on that. Um, I do think that they need to, that DeBoer needs to step up and let those players uh, give some confidence to those players. The more they play, the more confident they're.
0: Be. Yeah, I, I can't agree more with you. I think having a game tonight against an opponent like the Kings, who, let's face it, are kind of in rebuilding mode and having some issues, especially with the talent um you know in distribution of talent uh it's good to see him finally give some more ice time to to the fourth liners giving them a little bit more opportunity to show what they have i mean tonight noah gregor with 10 minutes 15 seconds uh milker carlson with 12 minutes um you've got auntie sumela with nine minutes although he would have picked up some more shifts had he not gotten um (laughs) basically hip checked in the head (laughs) um and, and so, you know, it's good to see that, that nice, even uh, even distribution. I do not like Evander Kane logging 21 minutes. I still think that that's a little high for him. Uh, Logan with 18.32. Uh, Joe Thornton with 17 minutes, 30 seconds. Um, so to me, those are still a little bit high. Um, but again, I think, you know, seeing Tomas hurtle only have 13 minutes, he's kind of being eased in. Um, so you can understand it, but, I, you know, I don't really necessarily agree with that. But we go over to the defensive ice time, and my goodness, I mean, you know, Burns with 21 minutes, Eric Carlson with 20 minutes, 30 seconds, Schimmick with 18 minutes, Mark Edward Vlasic with 19 minutes, Ferraro, 18 minutes, Brendan Dillon, 17 minutes. And I mean, that's so important for, for the ice time distributions on the back and to have you know Burns and Carlson be fresh, and I think we saw it in their pinches and just how creative they were.
1: I agree. Um, I think that that twenty to twenty-one minutes, maybe stretching it to twenty-two, is a good amount for that top line. Um, one, and two. Uh, that's really important to make sure that you know they're fresh. I mean, we're heading into we play eighty-two games a season. That's a lot of minutes if you are playing 30 40 minutes a game so it's nice to see them actually distribute the time evenly
0: yeah i i totally agree with that and then martin jones uh you know doing his part too having a uh 32 save uh day game uh, out of 33 attempts though that's good enough for a 971 um, but also making some pretty high danger saves too some mm-hmm. of those double deflects and then um, you know, some, you know, they've got a, a, the the Kings have started the rebuild. So they do have some guys with some wheels. And especially on that breakaway in the third period, I mean, he comes up with a big save and really, you know, posting a good game when Dell didn't have his best night out against the Jets and kind of continuing that cycle. So maybe the next time Dell gets out on there, he's kind of feel pressured because Dell, uh, because Martin Jones is, Is doing well so it's good to see jonesy uh on the upswing here and you know that's what it's going to take for the the sharks to continue this torrid pace here in november
1: and i'm wondering if the with with dell taking some more of these games if it's putting more pressure on jones to perform um you know i wrote down that he had that Jones had that great pushover in the third period at that like 450 ish mark. Um, you know, that would have been a huge goal for the Kings where they could have co- possibly come back in that game. Um, Jones is the reason why they won that game, hands down.
0: Right, exactly. So, you know, having those two push each other is just so important. And. You know, if you can get Dell right and you can get him to be the, what is it, the 9, 920, 925 save percentage goaltender we've seen him be at before, mm-hmm. um, that's that's just, that's a good thing. And I think, you know, it can't be understated how much of a friendship those two have between Jones and Dell and having mm-hmm. that, that, you know, um, civil rivalry or, or kind of friendly rivalry between the two just pushes each other to be so much better so you know getting Dell um on a good streak is is important and I think continuing to have Jones really step up his game um is is extremely important so you know I I too liked uh, Jones game tonight and felt that he definitely put his part into the win and just a complete complete game
1: mm-hmm. I agree um Troy Davidson, uh, just answering a question here on hurdle. Um, I think they're just uh, uh, easing him into the game since he's been out the last five games, um, what 13 so minutes. So I think they're just easing him in, being a precautionary.
0: Yeah, I didn't see any kind of hit or any any kind of um, shift to where he kind of favored anything. So I, I agree with you. I think it's more precautionary, especially with L.A. And, and you know, some of the antics they mm-hmm. like to do in the in the third period when they're losing a game. I mean, they're they're a proud organization. So, you know, you expect some douchebaggery at the end of the game. And, <laughs> yes, you, you know, so I, I think that that's a prudent move to keep him you know, to keep him safe. Um, You know, we saw it with Auntie Suamella and that hit. You know, I I understand what the player's trying to do there with a body check. Um, You saw Suamella kind of dip his head, but get his head up at the last second. Um, So it was it was a borderline hit, definitely interference. And I think that they made the right choice um, going back and reviewing the match penalty, because I don't think it was um, worthy of a match, but also too, you don't like to see your players get taken out like that.
1: No, um, and anytime you get the wind knocked out of you, I mean, the, I mean, he's probably McDermott's probably going what 25, 30 miles an hour. That's a that's a hard hit to take right into the gut. Um, there's not a lot of protection there either. So, you know, I I liked the two-minute call. I thought it was the right call. I didn't think that a match penalty was. Um, warranted there. Um, However, uh, he is a Kings player in the third period of losing a game. They tend to be a little more on the dirty side. So, I mean, I think it's something that the league should review, but I definitely don't think that it was a match penalty.
0: Yeah, I agree as well. Um, Rob Humphrey, thank you for the cooperation. PDB just said holding out hurdle was a precaution. um, And Kevin Kerr's adding that um, hurdle will be going to Arizona. So no, uh, no issues there as far as hurdle goes. As we figured, it was probably just a precautionary thing. Um, So yeah, you know, good to see him um, back centering his line, and and you know something interesting that I saw, you know, I, I kind of woke up a little late and um, only caught through the second <laughs> period and third. Um, but it's interesting to see Barkley Goodrow up on that first line. You know they had um, they they kept him with Logan and with Evander, and then they put um, Lebanc on the third line with with Thornton. And you know I think it was a pretty seamless, you know, pretty seamless integration. I liked. Uh, LeBanc with Thornton those two have mm-hmm. chemistry and I liked Goudreau kind of doing the dirty work for Evander and for Logan so I mean what do you think of just the kind of the forward selection and just where they were deployed tonight today <laughs>
1: um I really like uh, draw on top line um I think he's more of uh He's taking more of those hits that Evander likes to take um, that tend to lead to penalties. Um, since control has been up, we haven't seen Evander being in the box since they've been playing together very much. Um, and I really like that. Um, I really like the Little Bank Thornton combination. Um, I also uh, think that. Uh, um, I think that putting LeBanc and Thornton together is going to lead to some more uh, goals for Thornton here in the long run. Um, He's kind of hit a dry spell, but he is like what, uh, four save short of becoming, or four assists short of becoming uh, fifth all-time assists. And that's just uh, amazing to see a player uh, being 40 and still playing like he is.
0: Yeah, and I mean, right now, just looking at um, looking at Barkley Goodrow's stats, he's played 26 games, and he's got 11 points. Um, I, let's see, I don't know if that's updated or not to today's game. No, it's not. So he's got 12 points on the season right now. Um, and what's interesting, though, is that he's five points away from his career high. Um, so I definitely think that he's going to be breaking that. And I think I've said before, I, I could see him as a 40, 50-point player um this season so you know s- certainly going at a good pace um liking his game and he just needs to continue doing the same in s- so far as joe thornton goes um i saw some good signs from him against winnipeg mm-hmm. i felt like especially on the assist on the one goal you know definitely showing the mitts i've noticed that he's been easy to push off in the corners lately he's losing the puck quite a bit in the in the low corners Um, and and so I'm wondering if it's like a upper body strength kind of deal um, or if it's just maybe his he's not so sure on his planting of his feet in the corners but I think to me that is where his biggest um, decline I've seen in this season is that that board play in the in the in the down low in the corners so um, you know, it's good to see Jumbo on a roll, give him some confidence, and, you know, maybe maybe that'll hopefully help him with, you know, holding on to the puck a little bit more um, and, you know, just making a little bit more, being a little bit more protective in the corners of the puck.
1: I 100% agree with that. Um, I, I'm i hoping that Thornton start, stops playing out in that, those corners. That's why you got... Lebanc and them, um, you know, go back and hang out behind behind the net. You don't need to be in the corners where you're struggling, and that's where your giveaways. But uh, let the younger forwards play in those corners and just kind of stick to what you know.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree. You know, have have like your Sorensen and your Lebanc, you know, really hold on to the puck. And you know, get him into, into places where he can be effective. So behind the net or in the slot, being able to sh- distribute, or hell, even have him kind of fly a little bit um, high on the point, so he can kind of distribute the puck. Because mm-hmm. we have seen him be able to to have success from that position as well, and allow you know Burns to fly a little bit higher into the um, you know into the zone. Because I, you know it's it's pretty obvious that PDB likes to deploy the Burns schimmick pairing with Thornton. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, you can, you can play to, to burn strength, which is to be a very strong, um, you know, strong kind of disruptive presence in front of the net, even as a defenseman.
1: Well, and that goes to being, you know, turns forward for most of his life. And so most of his playing time. So I think that has a lot to do with, um, that and his puck movement and how he looks at the game. He doesn't look at it necessarily as a defenseman. He looks at it more as a forward, which is why you see him up in the play a lot and running plays like that because he was a forward forever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and that kind of just goes to the larger discussion of, of how well the defensive core is, is playing. I think having the seventh defender, really made DeBoer, I think, maybe a little bit more aware of the way that the ice time distributions were going. So, you know, now re- taking that f- that seventh defenseman out and just doing a regular kind of uh, rotation, he is relying a little bit more upon um, Brendan Dillon and Mario Ferraro. And I, boy, Ferraro had such a clean look at the net in the third period. He, he was so close to getting that first goal um but you're seeing his confidence i mean he just increases every game he plays
1: yeah i don't think that it'll be very long before he gets his goal um i i would say that you know if he gets any ha- sort of looks like he had tonight against arizona he he'll, he'll get it
0: yeah yeah no i i agree although you 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 almost wonder if that Arizona game is going to be like a two, one, one, nothing kind mm-hmm. of game. Cause I, I, you know, you can just see the writing on the wall for that one. Um, but, uh, JF Turner, um, he wants to talk about the, um, tax and we have, uh, definitely talked about this before insofar as just the sharks getting, maybe not the benefit of the breaks and maybe not a benefit of, uh, of some calls there. Uh, you know, all I can say is when you're a ref and you're looking right at it and you choose not to uh, not to make the call, um, it's pretty obvious. And I think I'll just kind of leave it at that. You know, it, it these blatant non-calls are, are just becoming more and more obvious. And, you know, it's not a great look. It, it's not a great look. So, you know, it, it's good to see the Sharks didn't take as many penalties tonight today mm-hmm. um you know that was a big i think a big area of concern but i think going forward uh, uh maybe an even bigger area of concern is just the ineptitude of the power play i think that's the tonight uh, today cause, oh, god i've done that like three or four times already but today i think that is kind of shining a light on on the issue of the power play i i it does not look good the zone entries are really horrendous right now
1: Um, I agree um I wrote down that uh the power play was really messy not a lot of zone time especially with that power play in the third Uh, the Kings had more chances in that power play that they uh had it that the Sharks had in the third than um And I just thought it was just messy, 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 messy. And I don't know what the solution is to fixing that. Um, A lot of, you know, getting stood up at the blue line, but that's something that you need to figure out. Like, that's how, you know, teams stop you from having clean entries. You got to, and dump and chase isn't working for them either. So I don't know what the answer is right now.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. The dump and chase seems to be uh, it, it seems that the dump and chase relies upon the forward speed getting into the offensive zone. And they're allowing the defensive team to get to the puck first and mm-hmm. kind of abandoning that hard forecheck. check. And if you're going to be doing a dump and chase, you have to have a, a strong forecheck check to regain possession. So you know, those two things go hand in hand. And I think we see them take the foot off the gas, the forecheck when they go on the power play. And, you know, again, there just doesn't seem to be a clear idea of how they want to deploy themselves. You know, when they do get an opportunity, they're, they're doing well on the umbrella. But again, that requires them to get possession in the offensive zone, which has been a real issue. So, I don't know if you rectify that by having the um, by having the defenseman, either um, uh, Carlson or Burns, bring the puck into the forward and then try and curl back. uh, Excuse me, puck into the offensive zone and then trying to curl back to the blue line. Or if you have maybe that that little short pass that we've seen them implement before. But, you know, it's definitely that that halfway into the neutral zone slash getting right into the offensive zone has seemed to be the bulk of the issue with the power play so far.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with you. And J.F. Turner, I really like your idea. Um, And I think that that would probably work. Um, However, I think that DeBoer likes to keep things the same. He likes to run everything the same. And I'm thinking that we're – you know, running into, uh, it's time to fire a power play coach.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I also, I, I think it's time. I think it's been, um, you know, I think it's been kind of, of on the wall lately that it, that Steve spot, you know, he goes through these slumps and he goes through these periods where the power play will be, extremely effective then it will go like 30 40 games where it's completely ineffective and then by the time you make your playoff run it's still in that ineffective mode and and you know I can't impress upon how much the sharks need to execute on their power plays when they're not getting the benefit of the calls right when you're only getting one two maybe three power plays at most in a game you have to capitalize on one of them if not only for the deterrent of taking of the other team taking penalties upon you, but just the fact that you need to capitalize on your special teams opportunities.
1: Oh, I 100% agree with you. Um, And yes, Rob, it is a Doug Wilson um, decision. Um, I believe that uh, Peter DeBoer would have some input on that, but uh, those two, Spot and DeBoer, have been working together for so long. I just, I just really, there needs to be a change, um, and I don't know what that change is. Um, but you got to do something about that power play when you're not getting the benefit of the calls. Um, but I am liking our penalty kill.
0: Yeah, the the penalty kill continues to be strong and continues to be an area which the Sharks can really rely upon, um, especially mm-hmm. in the special teams battles. Um, you, you're definitely seeing, I think, the the Bob Bugner effect in full, you know, in full showing here on on the penalty kill. Um, you know, it seems like Barkley, Goodrow, and Melker Carlson have really taken ownership of that. Um, you know, of those groupings of players and you're seeing everybody buy in, you know, Marcus Sorensen, um, Logan Couture, Evander Kane, even on the penalty kill. I've been extremely impressed with all the forwards on the PK. So, you know, really good on, on Bob Bugner for um, implementing that. You know, I think Kendall Coyne mentioned it as the um, uh, piston like movement where you have, um, one forward going up, and then you have that defenseman take his spot um, If you know when they're exchanging uh, positioning on the ice. And it's just like a piston moving up and down where they have interchangeable pieces coming up, coming down, which helps with the defensive scheming. I think it helps with the defensive coverage. And you're not left with a guy completely open in the middle of the slot. So they've been doing an extremely, extremely good job of picking up forwards, um, when the defenseman's go up or if the defenseman um, comes back down, having the forward take that spot out on the point um, to really block or to try and, you know, create some kind of um, havoc. And then we're seeing the, the block shots lead to really good transitional um, uh, transitional mm-hmm. PK attacking.
1: Well, and, you know, that's why uh, Patrick Marlowe got that goal. Um, that goal was definitely uh, penalty kill, Uh, power play influenced, Um, but that goal was, you know, because they had the, the first look at having any zone time on the power play, you know, that's the reason why that goal happened. You know, they got those tired Kings players out there and they left them wide open.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And so when you can use your penalty kill to influence the game, I I think it especially helps um, mitigate some of the issues they have on the power play. Um, But again, I think, you know, the power play, there needs to be either a change up in personnel in the way that they're deployed or just a change in scheme. But yeah, I think I think Think we can start to see now that it really is a problem it really needs to be addressed
1: i agree sooner rather than later
0: yeah um rob iman bringing up a really good point when the sharks play la uh on the 27th of december he wouldn't be surprised if dalton uh prout starts um i i i tend to agree i i i think that You know, after seeing that big hit, um, you know that Peter DeBoer is a little bit more of a a reactionary coach. (laughs) So it wouldn't surprise me to see him bring in a slugger, that's for sure.
1: Um, But that's if uh, Prout's healthy. He's still on IR right now. So, I mean, you never know um, if he's even going to be healthy for that. But I definitely think that uh, Peter DeBoer would do is
0: throw him out there and say, go for it. Yeah. Um, Ron Byman also quickly chiming in with uh, he's thinking that quick retires after the season. Yeah, I think that that very well be. I mean, there's a lot of wear and tear on him, especially with the way in which he plays, um, you know, the, the goal, the goaltender position. He's very much a reactionary save kind of uh, of goaltender because he doesn't really have a lot of size so he has to use his athleticism and we've seen that time and time again that those athletic goaltenders break down a lot quicker
1: oh I agree um, you know I think that Quake is probably two seasons past when he should have retired um, you know he once the goalie has an extended period of time out with a groin injury for them to come back, especially with how quick plays. Um, He's too small to cover the whole bottom of the net without having to do massive pushes, Um, which if you've ever tried to do that, it's all your groin muscles. Um, So you got those groin injuries and those are just difficult to come back from.
0: Yeah. Especially, you know, again, cannot impress upon if you're a goaltender that's reliant upon that it's it's super important to have everything in the groin and everything kind of in the quads and stuff be strengthened and you can definitely see that he's not the player that he used to be um and and you know it's i think that for the amount of success that he's had playing that i think i think you know he'll he'll take that in insofar as his career goes you know because I I feel like those kind of goaltenders have that career trajectory where it's very, 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 very high peaks and then the lows get really, really low. And I think he took advantage of his peak for sure.
1: I definitely agree with that.
0: Yeah, getting getting two Stanley Cups, I think I think you'll be happy with that. <laughs> um, JF Turner questions on the uh, Sharks responding more angrily to the hit on hurdle. Um, you know, JF, this is this has been the mo of the Sharks for a long, long time. They don't, they don't retaliate, and I I don't think that we've seen a Sharks team really retaliate maybe since Raffy Torres being on the team, and I. You know, I don't particularly like that about the team. I think that that's an area that they can be exposed, and I think that we saw St. Louis really do that to them in the Western Conference Finals. Um, so I I think that that definitely Hurdle needs to, you know, you know, the the team needs to rally around anytime a a player kind of gets hit. I'd like I'd love to see Dylan or Kane or um, Goudreau or. You know, just just anybody kind of step up and, and really try to be um, more, you know, hold the other team to account.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, uh, Rob, um, I don't think that Hurdle's on his way to an IR stint. Um, I think that, you know, it's his first game back after five missing five games. So I just think that he just needed some time to, there's a difference between playing in practice and playing a real game. And so I just think it's precautionary to limit his ice time right now. Um, I don't think that he's on his way to IR currently.
0: Um, and then this just coming in from Curtis Pichelka, Um Suomela said he wasn't sure if he was going to Arizona with the team, which makes it sound like he's not traveling, but can't say for sure. So that wouldn't be good, you know. It, it it might be having to do with some kind of concussion. I know that Suomela has had one before, and you know we all just kind of grit our teeth and hope for the best with him because he, he's he's a little fragile, um, and so you just hope that everything's okay with that and he doesn't get any kind of like headaches kind of after the fact. Um, uh, oh, and then Rob Iman chiming in. Thank you, Rob. That oh. He's saying I hope McDermott has a player safety hearing tomorrow. I I wouldn't count on it. I think they'll look at that and they'll just say it's body on body on head and you know they'll I think they'll use the defense that McDermott is just so much um larger than uh than Suamela, so that it will mitigate that fact but um yeah, I hope they don't roll with the 7D men either. That's for sure.
1: I agree. Um, I'm really, you know, crossing my fingers for Suamella. He's such a vital part of this team. Um, and, you know, I I don't know how you beef him up so that he doesn't keep getting hurt like this. Uh, but once you have a concussion, it's really difficult to come back and you tend to just keep getting him over and over again.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think... It's time to head over to uh, <laughs> to our favorite segment uh, of the afternoon. And here we roll. I have the goddamn coming, Curtis, you give him a reach around. <laughs> well, and it's quite in an, uh, an afternoon worth of uh, of games today on the docket. We've got plenty in progress so far, so we'll just roll through them. Quickly, the Lightning are up on the Capitals, 3-2, 15-23 remaining in the third period. The Yotes and the Knights are still deadlocked at nothing-nothing. Knights on the power play, there's 13-39 left in the second period. Penguins and the Blue Jackets, uh, that game just got underway at 16-46 in the first period, nothing-nothing on tap tonight the predators and the hurricanes 7 30 eastern that's 4 30 pacific if you want to take a look at the stars and the blues a nice little showdown in the central conference it is 5:30 start pacific the bruins take the rangers down three to two in overtime bruins are just surging right now they're 18 three and five and uh Boy, that's a team that looks like it's it's headed to another uh headed to another long run. Jets beat the Duckies 3-0. Uh, and then the Kings beat the or excuse me, the Sharks beat the Kings 4-1. Avalanche beat, beat the Blackhawks 5-2. The Wild whip up on the Senators 7-2. Maple Leafs are beaten by the Sabres 6-4. So the Sheldon Keefe Magic is finally wearing off just a little. Flyers beat up on the Red Wings 6-1 to and that is your final wrap-ups uh, on the games this afternoon. So I think it's time that we kind of go into a little bit more of the NHL news. I think everybody has kind of had a take on this. Um, I know that um, we at Teal Town, we have all had our kind of individual takes on the situation, but Kelsey... <sighs> You know, it's it's really sad and upsetting when we have to talk about um, especially instances of um, racial slurring, uh, incidences of um, discriminatory behavior. And, you know, Bill Peters placed his resignation this morning uh, and was accepted by the Calgary Flames. I think that that is kind of wasn't an inevitable move I think he saw the writing on the wall there but did you happen to get a chance to look at the apology and look at just kind of the whole situation in total and do you have any kind of take on it
1: uh, yeah I've been following this um, pretty closely um, mainly because any sort of uh, this, this makes me very upset and um, I don't think that there's any, I know that the world was a different place 10 years ago. Um, These kinds of things were more accepted. Uh, However, I do know that there's a place for it. Um, Anywhere on the professional level, I don't, and especially as a coach, you're there to support your team. You're there to, you know, um, lift them up and help them get better. That is your job. You are a coach. Um, Your job is not to tear your players down. Um, And I think that, you know, that's the difference between a good coach and a bad coach. Um, And I'm really hoping that uh, I wish that the Flames would have done away with him on their own and not um, accepted a uh, allowed him to resign. Um, I definitely believe that he was getting pushed out as he should have. However, the second that this came out, I think that he should have been put on leave and uh, should have been given notice. Um, I don't think that it's appropriate at all. Yeah, I totally I, agree um, I, I totally going to step off you. my box. <laughs> <laughs>
0: no, I think... i step
1: off the box. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think seeing the whole you-can-play movement, um, and especially with... The NHL trying to do their best with the You, you Can Play movement, trying to do their best with, um, you know, uh, handing more assistance to the women's game and just growing the game in general, there's no place for, for this kind of, of uh, derogatory language. There's no place for, um, you know, a person who is in a level of power making decisions in and around lineups. You know, using any kind of of prejudice against any kind of player, whether it be for orientation or whether it be for um, racial, you know, bigotry, whether it be for, you know, any kind of 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 misconduct. You know, the allegations of him not only using um, derogatory language, but of also incurring abuse upon other players is is just horrible, and there's there's no there's no need for for a coach to to have any kind of physical interaction with a with a teammate I mean physical as in like you know there there's no place for that and and so you know I do think that this is going to shine a very big spotlight in the NHL, um, especially because of just how much retread we see in the coaching ranks, Um, you know how much of a kind of a good old boys network it is I think we're going to start to see that there are going to be some other coaches um, be put on the spotlight and I mean we look at um, Mike Babcock not necessarily for um, defamation of a player or any kind of, of abuse allegations or things like that but just using the type of mental tactics that he uses with his players and you could you could say that that's an emotional abuse to a player and you know whether or not you're on the side of oh well this is snowflakes being snowflakes or or this is um you know a newer generation being softer i think honestly this is just being good human beings right so um you know again any any kind of form of of abuse like that especially from a a person of power it's not acceptable anymore and I think getting that light kind of you know shining into the NHL I think is a good thing you know and I think it will just continue to see um, more change which is good you know and and I think you know the the spotlight needs to be cast further down into the whole hockey system you need to look at Everyone, you know, whether it be coaches in junior, coaches in the college ranks, um, you know, it needs to be looked at. Anybody in power needs to make sure that they're extremely careful with how they interact with players.
1: I mean, if this would have happened uh, at a high school level, there would be no question that that coach would be fired. The stuff that Babcock got away with, you know. Um, asking players to rate how their other players are performing and then saying, well, this is what he said. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. If that happened on a high school level, you would get fired immediately. There would be no question about it. Um, I just think there needs to be a total overhaul um and I'm really excited to see what the next couple of years are going to bring with more of this light getting shined in on how these coaches are treating these I mean, look at the suicide rate of, you know, professional athletes is ridiculous. And this is probably part of it. I mean, if you have a coach that is in the position of power telling you that you're useless, you know, that says a lot. And I, I think that that is definitely something that needs to be looked at.
0: Um. Now we've also had uh, Peter Carmanos, ex-Carolina Hurricanes owner, saying he would have fired Ron Francis if he would have known about the allegations, excuse me, against um, Bill Peters. Um, Ron Francis, I I think he's going to get some heat, um, Mm -hmm. especially because he, I think that that organization knew a little bit more than they were kind of letting on, especially with uh, Rod Brindamore coming out, corroborating, bill bill peter's uh, pos- uh, uh alleged incidents he's he's cooperating that so uh, uh, again you know it, it's it's just uh it has no place in the game it, it doesn't have any place in the game it's um uh, you know it it's just intolerable i think it, it it's intolerable at this point um Steve Cropper, do these views represent the view of Teal Town USA? I, you know, I think all of us have been on record as being supportive of the You Can Play movement. I think that Teal Town as an organization, um, pushes forward diversity. You look at uh, all of our contributors, um, whether it be myself or AJ or Eric or Felix, um, Kelsey, you know, I think we try to do our best to try and get a diverse um, set of voices on the podcast. So we believe in diversity. I think we all believe it makes us stronger for having different viewpoints um, I'm not going to speak for anybody else on the podcast, so um, you know, I, I won't say that, that they share the mm-hmm. same positions, but I can assure you that we all um, see abuses of power as uh, an important thing to get rid of in the NHL.
1: I agree. Um, you know, All of our views are our own, but uh, with our group conversations, I definitely think that uh, most of us stand on the same point. Um, you know, I just, there's just no place for it.
0: Yeah, there, there, there really isn't. I mean, again, you, you have to look at players, mental health. You have to look at, um, you know, players who not only are, are, are at, uh, what am I trying to say here? I'm trying to say that they're already in a position where, You know, if they've been concussed or if they are um, self-critical, highly self-critical of themselves because of the way that they play on ice. And then you add a a level of uh, discrimination or you add, um, uh, you know, a level of um, mental, any kind of mental games that coaches like to play. uh, You know, it definitely could affect their long-term health. And, uh, you know, again... If, if you're a coach and you do those types of things and then, you know, years onward, um, a player commits suicide or a player tries to hurt themselves, you're you're you know, you're at at fault because you're a, an immediate person within their sphere of influence and you're pushing them down while they're already in a in a very vulnerable mental position. So, again, it's. I think it's twofold. It's being in power, so you have the ability to cast a lot of different—you uh, you cast a lot of different emotions to players in the position of power. But you also need to make sure that that as a as a coach or any kind of preser- uh, position in power, whether it be a GM or equipment trainers or whatever, it's just that you have decency. This is just being decent.
1: Uh, Rob, Iman, they do have a zero-tolerance policy in the NCAA. However, it is really difficult for them to uh, – for players, current players, to say anything about coaches um, because it will affect their playing time or they think that it will. Um, so uh, coaches in the NCAA probably aren't going to be um, – what am I trying to say? Oh, uh, actually have anything taken against them because of that. Um, and, uh, uh, Cooper, I understand that it was a different world 10 years ago, but things that, you know, you look at a child who grew up getting emotionally and physically abused, uh, that abuse lasts a lifetime. So yes, I do think that it's important, uh, to be looking at something that's 10 years back. Um, because it is affecting those players still today.
0: Look at Theo uh, Fleury, right? I mean, Theo Fleury with his whole saga on um, his junior career and just being um, a- abused in, in different ways um, mm-hmm. has has caused him a lifetime of pain. Um, And I think when those allegations came out, I think it was, what, five or six years ago now, maybe even longer, it should have cast this wide uh, light in the NHL. So, you know, the fact that we have to go through another round of damning allegations to finally get some more um, transparency in the NHL, I think, is a little... um, The NHL makes some boneheaded moves, that's for sure. And they're very, uh, they can be very Neanderthal-like at times. So uh, I hope that this pushes this this conversation in the right way. And I hope that we start to really look at people in power and make them accountable. I think that accountability should be the name of the game now. And I don't think that people should be getting away with, with abuses of any kind
1: and i think you're with all of these allegations and stuff and coaches getting fired i think you're going to stop seeing this like uh one coach gets fired and another team hires him um i think you're going to start seeing some new faces as head coaches which is something that i'm super excited about um because i think that they bring you know new talent new new ideas to the game and that's how the game is and how it grows. And I think that that's really important. So I'm really excited to see some new coaches and things like that coming up.
0: Yeah. You know, we, we talk about Sheldon Keefe, right? I mean, he had the the, the winning streak snap tonight um, over in Toronto. So I can say tonight. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, Sheldon is uh, is known as a communicator, known as a player's coach, but also very forward thinking on the analytical side of things. And, you know, having more uh, coaches of that ilk who can relate to young players um, and who can be uh, can communicate with with good rapport is is, I think, going to be going forward the way that coaches are going to have to get through to young players. Right. I
1: 100 percent agree, Um, you know, especially. You know, I and I'm well, I'm not going to lie. And so, you know, there's, you know, we grew up not being treated like that. And so I think that there's, um, you know, mental health is a huge deal when it comes to the millennial generation. Um, and I definitely don't think that it's like a snowflake thing or anything like that. I just think that people are becoming more aware of how words hurt. What things do and how all of those things, um, you know, I just, I don't know, I just don't think that there's a place for it at all.
0: Yeah. Um, Steve Cropper, with I can agree now, Felix, but 10 years ago saying something and it being um, kind of seen through the prism of, of present tense. I think there's a little bit of a difference when it is a use of, of language that has been derogatory for over a century, right? And I don't think you get a pass on that. Um, and I, I think that there are just some things that we'll look on 100 years from now and say, you know, he probably should have, shouldn't have should have said that in that time period, or he probably shouldn't have said that looking at it now. Uh, in that time period, it might have been a little bit more accepted but if you say something that has been completely derogatory for over 100 years, and then you look forward another 100 years, and you have basically 200 years of it being known as a derogatory kind of language, I, 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 there is no defense for that. I mean, well, and
1: I think that a lot of it is, though, yes, the 10 years one is the one that's getting most talked about, but it is something that is currently happening. There are players that after uh, he came out about all of this that are saying this is happening now, but they don't want to go on record saying that it was happening. So there are players that are coming out and uh, talking to press and stuff like that, but they're staying quiet about who they are. Um, so it's because it's a continuing thing. It's not actually just, uh, oh, he said a stupid thing 10 years ago. Um, he's still doing these things. He hasn't changed. Right. And I think that's what the issue is.
0: Right. Um, you know, and, and again, Steve Cropper with, with kind of, um, using kind of a popular TV show and, and a, a, I would say at this point we'll call that a racial slur for sure. Um, in that time period i think it was a, it was a little bit more accepted but i don't think we go back looking at it and saying like okay you know the people of mash the tv show are all bad because they let this happen you know that's kind of that borderline situation where it's like okay yeah you kind of you kind of cringe when it was said then and now you definitely know that it's not a good thing to say y- you have a little bit more leeway on that but when you use when you you, I just that word that was uttered, um, is is just so damaging. And and you know, as a person who comes from mixed heritage, so dad's Italian American and mom's Mexican American. When you hear uh, the same kinds of, of language used, you understand somewhat. You can't be in in somebody's shoes a hundred percent. But if you if you've lived under if you've lived under a lot of derogatory terms in the past and you continually see it be something in the present, I think you can, you, you start to have an understanding of why it is so damaging because it's just piling on. So again, it doesn't have any place for me. I don't think it has any place in this world anymore. Um, We're all just human. And really a science teacher put it this way to me. It's, the the melanin in our skin right it's it's just the difference in the melanin in our skin whether we live on the equator and we're a little bit darker because that's a natural adaptation but that's all it is i mean you know the dna is 99 percent the same you know it's only a few chromosomes a few genetic pieces of of information that's changed between us so We need to, having said that, we need to have more respect for each other. It's just a respect thing.
1: I agree. You know, it doesn't, you know, I just, you have to trust and love one another. That is, you know, what I've learned in my life is that, you know, there needs to be more love in this world, and um, I just... There's just no place for you not to have respect for one another. You're, you can still coach somebody and change how you think at the same time.
0: Right, right. And I think I think just kind of putting a bow on it insofar as what's okay past versus present versus future, um, I think that there are certain times when the line is crossed, it will be crossed 50 years ago, 50 years from now, any time that you, that you make that clear um, delineation upon crossing the line, it, it will be bad no matter what time period. If you're saying something in a time contextual con- um, basis, uh, meaning that if you say something 10 years ago and it was okay 10 years ago, that's a little bit more of a fuzzy gray area. And I think that that's a little bit more where we have to help educate that individual who was using that language to say like, look back in that time, it might've been okay, but today it's not. I don't think somebody should be vilified for that. But again, that if you click across and uh, cross and by leaps and bounds, cross that line of, of respect, that shouldn't be okay for anyone.
1: No, I agree. And, um, I think that we need to publicly say happy birthday to Felix
0: Happy birthday, um, Felix.
1: So that's what I think that we should end that conversation with. Um, you can know if you want to continue having this conversation, feel free to DM me. Um, you know, I'm always willing to talk to people about these kinds of things. Um, and I love hearing what other people think. Um, so feel free to DM me on Twitter um, at Seymour uh, Hockey.
0: Yeah, for and for any <laughs> mental issues... <laughs> Yeah, for any I any kind of mortal, even- emotional, emotional, and and mental issues, I think all of us have been touched by it at some point. So we'll all, we you know, we'd love to to reach out and and if you need help immediately, do not be afraid to seek it. You know, there are. Um, hotlines to, to call. There are, you know, any one of us on Twitter, you know, if you need somebody immediately, you can always reach out to us. Um, you know, I we all have very different backgrounds in this kind of thing. I've, I've dealt with it on a familial level. You know, Kelsey has dealt with it on a familial and personal level. You know, it, it just do not be afraid to seek help.
1: Uh, Rob, that's a good idea. Maybe we should look into having a Discord page. Um, we'll talk about it and see what happens there. Um, but, you know, you know, we're always open to have conversations about uh, insomnia. So I'm normally awake, so you can DM me whenever. So, you know, um, just if you need help, get it, no matter where it's from.
0: Exactly. Exactly. It's it's always good to have somebody to talk to. So do not be afraid to reach out. Um, so with that being said, the Sharks have uh, the Coyotes on tap tomorrow afternoon again. Uh, so we're getting back to back afternoon games. Uh, it's going to be interesting because the Coyotes will also be on the second of back to back. So, you know, it might be some sloppy hockey in the beginning. Um We'll have to see about um, the forward situation insofar as where Sumella if he will be playing, if he will. Wo- Excuse me. And um, we, you know, it'll be interesting to see what kind of style of hockey is, um, is going to be uh, implemented because both teams are going to be very tired. And I think we'll kind of see maybe a little bit more of a slower approach. Rob Iman, thank you so much for the super chat donation. We really appreciate it. Um, again, it's the line is to mental health, so here, here to that.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I think it's going to be interesting because um, when the Coyotes play on the second end of a the back-to-back, they tend to be more tired in the beginning and hit it off at the end. However, the Sharks are the other way; uh, they tend to hit it really good in the beginning and then kind of fall off. So I'm really interested to see how that's going to work. I'm also really interested to see on who's going to be a net. Are you going to put Jones on a back-to-back after he had arguably the best game that he's had all season? Or are you going to rest him and play Dell and have Dell get some confidence back from his uh, poor outing Against uh, So that's something that, you know, we need to you consider. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, I think the the goaltending situation, I think it would be good to see Dell get another shot, um, especially because, you know, just that, that Jets game, I don't pin that on him. I, I pin that more upon the defensive scheming and just the t- team being tired in front of him. So I hope that I he agree. gets another shot at it um, because when the team was... Uh, defensively sound we saw that Dell um could could really work it so I Mm -hmm. you want to continue the rhythm with those two if you get a good uh game out of Dell then that means you'll probably get another good game out of out of Jonesy too so having them roll I agree
1: 100 percent um you know I I'm really hoping that we can get Dell some more games uh, because I think we need to up his trade value for when we hit the deadline. Um, so, yeah, and I think the only way to do that is to get him some games. And, yes, Rob Dell was hung to dry during the uh, Jets game. I, um, I actually turned the game off at probably the middle of the second period because I just couldn't, they just I didn't couldn't have watch it. it. They didn't have it. They didn't it.
0: have it. Yeah. Uh, yeah they... they had nothing. And and again, if you followed me on Twitter, that I I placed that one squarely on Peter DeBoer. He was he was messing with fire with that that seventh D man lineup. I think I think that that's pretty well known in the NHL. Like it's you you might be able to get away with it for one or two games, but boy, you consistently rely upon that style of play, it's gonna it's gonna bite you in the butt. And we even saw Ferraro take shifts as a forward.
1: That was just crazy. Like and you can't do that against the Jets. They like systematically are uh, most of the time, especially this season, better than the Sharks. So you have to play your best game against them. And that was probably the worst game they've had all season.
0: Yeah, it was pretty bad. So uh, that being our final thoughts, Kelsey, where (laughs) can the people find you and what are you doing these days?
1: Uh, You can find me on Twitter, at Hockey. Uh, S-E-M-O-R-E, Hockey, on Twitter. Um, You can find me on Instagram at uh, Kelsey or at K Segbold. Um, And I'm just kind of hanging out. (laughs)
0: <laughs> nice. Okay, and uh, it, we haven't said it already. I know that we kind of broadcasted it on the Teal Town Twitter page. I hope everybody had a great Thanksgiving and uh, got in uh, some good shopping tonight. If if that's uh, if that's your dealio or if you're going to hit the uh, sales on Monday, um, good luck. And uh, yeah, happy holidays, everybody. Um, and as far as where you can find me, you can use my first name. That's E-R-I-K Landy. Uh, and uh, follow me on all the social media garbage. So, thank you for watching, and if you haven't already, please go ahead and subscribe at Teal Town USA. Of course, follow us upon all of the social media pages uh, at Facebook, Teal Town USA, at Instagram. Check that out. We've got AJ and Rocket doing some really cool stuff with the Instagram, and then, of course, always on the Twitter page. So, thank you, and have a great evening. And uh, from all of us here at Teal Town USA, keep it real, keep it teal, keep it real teal. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.